DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Pace Mannion. Former Ute, former jazz player. Used to do the radio show right after us. Pace, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? You want to want to get a lemon? Do the red and the blue show? Let's just do some crosstalk. <laughs> Remember it well. Yeah, those were the days. <laughs> so I'm curious. Uh, you know, it's funny how uh, life works, and a, a lot of people listening know your background, but not everybody does. You you played at the Utes in the early '80s when there wasn't a three point shot. You played in the NBA in the late '80s. When there was a three-point shot, but it wasn't used very often. You went over to Europe, and man, the Europeans really embraced the three-point shot. And then you can argue they embraced it quicker than, the, than a lot of people did in the U.S. You come back and you do some broadcasting for the Jazz. You do the pre-half and post on TV for five years in the 2000s. The game's just starting to change. And then the next de- decade it takes off, and you're raising a young prodigy who's a high school star and plays at the University of Arizona. Boo. And is now on the Warriors <laughs> roster, and he's fully embraced the three. And now his teammate is Steph Curry, who has revolutionized the three. And I just think when you're watching a game, and you watch a lot of Warriors games because your kid's on the roster, and you see the stuff Steph does that the coaching staff encourages and applauds and you know it didn't even exist in your career and then you would have gotten pulled in a heartbeat and cut if you tried this stuff how much does it just blow your mind it's uh the game has changed i mean you talk from the 80s to now it's a completely different basketball game um rule wise and everything but the three-point shot has just taken off and you know and obviously i think steph is I don't, there's not many people are going to argue he's probably the best you know, shooter that's played, you know, along with Ray Allen and some of these guys. But you watch watch him shoot the basketball from the range he shoots it at, how he stretches the floor, how he changes the way other teams have to play against the Warriors every single night. And even though you know it's coming, you still have trouble finding a way to stop him. Because when you have to go guard a guy at 38, 39 feet from the basket because he's a threat from there, it opens up so many things because he handles the ball so well and he can get by you and he's got floaters. He's got everything else in, his, in, the, in the package that makes him a threat every time he touches it from the minute he crosses half court. And used to say, people used to say that jokingly, but now the minute he crosses half court, you have to think he can shoot it from the logo, from inside the circle. He can let that go from there because he feels he can make that. And he has several times this year if you've watched the Warrior games. And so the game has changed so much, and I think he and Damian Lillard and some of these guys are – uh, get, get a lot of credit for that. Um, Steph, because he's won championships and has been in the limelight as MVP and all those things, but he is the one guy that, that will be renamed always as, you know, he, he opened this league up to where coaches feel like that three-point shot is, is just as effective as trying to pound the ball inside like we did back in the 80s and 90s even. So how about this? You know, obviously all that stuff inside the half court and logo has just gotten tremendous attention. And you've watched the Warriors uh, probably way more than we have this year, obviously because you have DNA on that team. But my thought is, in addition to that, I believe, I was telling DJ this the other day, that he has the best floater of all time. I, I agree with that. You know, when he gets, 
because he's run off the three-point line so many times, and there's not he, you know, he does take some mid-range shots. They're rare, but if you see a guy run him off the line and he he puts it on the floor, um, most likely it's going to be a floater. And it doesn't matter if it's from you know 15 feet or 10, wherever he feels comfortable, he's going to let it go. And again, the touch he has, and and I think you can work on these things. I think what he has, and I'm not taking anything away from the work he's put in because I've heard what his work ethic is, you know, firsthand. Um, he just has a touch that is just unreal, and he's had it from, you know, a young age. He, you know, you watched him in college, and I'm sure he was like that in high school and just didn't get the attention he, he is now because he was so small and people weren't sure he could handle the pounding of the NBA, which obviously he's proved everybody wrong on that aspect. But that floater is um, it's a weapon that I think every guard – in the NBA needs because if you can shoot that, you know, by the time you get to you get to the basket, get in the paint, you know, there are some there's some big bodies and they don't mind knocking you down and they'll block your shots and but that that that's a weapon that is that's another shot that we never took. That wasn't even in the repertoire back in you know when, when I was playing. And and that's another shot that's come around that has been evolved into a, a great weapon for for offensive players. So one of the craziest moments of that Laker-Warrior game is at the end when Steph has the ball just across half court. The Lakers know he's a threat. They double him, and they're willing to live with whatever happens as long as it isn't a shot coming out of Steph's hand with a game on the line. And they send AD out there, a seven-footer running out 35, 40 feet from the hoop to double someone who's as elusive as Curry – and I'm just wondering, when you look up and down NBA rosters, who has rosters versatile enough to deal with this? Because if you don't have it, this kind of versatility, the ability to hit a 40-footer, a 7-footer who is an excellent defender 40 feet from the hoop against the best of the best, if you don't have that versatility, you're going to be doomed. You're going to be exposed over the course of seven games. So how many teams have that kind of versatility? Well, not many. You know, I mean, you're talking about he's he's a freak athlete when you talk about AD. But you know, there are teams in the league that give I think give Warriors problems with with some size, and I think the Lakers tried that, but they realized the small ball the Warriors were playing was you know you couldn't you couldn't guard everybody out there. You know, the two bigs, you can't do that. Drummond wasn't going to guard. You know, even if it's you're talking about Juan Toscano Anderson, who is you know he's he's a good player and he can score the basketball. Um, but he's not your main guy, and you're willing to live with that shot. You talked about the last play with the Warriors. You know, I think in hindsight, you'd like to have that play out because you were going to get Wiggins in the corner with a wide-open three mm-hmm. right before Kerr called the timeout, which I think that's a shot you'd have taken instead of trying to inbounds with 2.1 on the clock um, to get a, a, a three to tie the game. Um, but you just didn't, you didn't see that develop until after he'd called the timeout. It's easy to say now, or right after he called the timeout, you could see it. But But you're right, there's not a lot of teams that have – um, the athletes to do that, and, and the Lakers, you know, as bad as the Lakers played, you know, until certain moments of that game, you know, they're still a threat. You know, I don't think the Suns are very happy that they get the Lakers in the first round. Yeah, really. <laughs> hey, that's uh, <laughs> that's that's something that they're going to have to endure. Obviously, uh, I'm wondering if you, um, what's your level of confidence? That it's going to be Warriors Jazz as opposed to Grizzlies Jazz. Yeah, tonight's a tough game. You know, they just played them a few days ago, and to beat them, you had to. Get, you know, Steph had forty six. 
um, you're putting a lot of pressure on your superstar to to score the basketball night in and night out to win games, and and he's he's carried them all season that way. Uh, so, and it's not that he can't do it again. The the Grizzlies they have some some weapons. You know, Valchunas is playing well. He's coming off a 23 and 23 night. Um, obviously, Morant is is who he is, and when he decides to get aggressive and and go to the basket and do what he does, especially with the small lineup the Warriors will play. Um, he'll have some success, but I still think the key to that team, you know, you watch him is, is Dylan Brooks. Cause when he plays well, that team is really, really good. When he scores it at one end, um, you know, he's averaging what about 16, 17 a game, I believe. And, but his defense is, and he's just, you can tell he's the heart and soul of that team. His, his emotion, they, they thrive on that. And I think you got to find a way to, to go at him and he'll be guarding Curry and I wouldn't be surprised if Steph tries to get a couple of early fouls on him because the last time they played that was a it was a really close game and then you know he fouled out with you know about five minutes on the clock uh, picked up his sixth foul and was done and, and that's when it kind of turned um, for the Warriors favor but it'll be a it'll be a tough game you know there's no doubt about it I don't think it's going to be you've seen some of these blowouts I don't think it'll be a blowout by either side um, I think the Warriors are the favorites. Obviously, they're at home. They've, you know, they've got Steph, Draymond's playing well. Everybody's playing really well right now at a high level. They're playing an eight-man rotation. Guys are getting very comfortable on the floor because you know the lowest guy's getting 21 minutes a night, and so they're all getting comfortable. And and that's what you need in the NBA to be successful. Is you know you're you're going to be out there for a while, and you don't have to hunt shots. You don't have to be selfish. You know it's going to come to you. So those are. Those are things they have going right now at this time of the year that have been playing. You know, they've, they've won a lot of games, you know, eight out of ten. I don't know what their last ten ball games is, but they've been one of the hotter teams in the league going into this play-in scenario and, and hopefully into the playoffs. So I'm curious what you thought as you saw teams tanking games down the stretch, the Clippers tanking and not worried about a potential second-round matchup with the Jazz, and it may or may not come to that. we got to see who wins in the first round. But you know, if they both win in advance, the Clippers didn't seem very worried by that. They seemed intent on getting to that side of the bracket. Uh, do, do you trust the Clippers? Do they even be worried about that kind of thing? What does it say about the Jazz? What would you think? Um. Well, with the Jazz right now, I think everybody would rather play them because you don't know how Mitchell and Connolly are going to come back. You know, But I would much rather see the Lakers earlier than later in the playoff series. You know, The Suns, they get them early. They're not playing great basketball. LeBron's not healthy. I don't think AD is completely healthy. Um, the supporting cast isn't playing extremely well. And so I think you have an opportunity to, to knock them off. If you, you know, the tough thing for the Suns is they're young. You know, you got some guys that never had any playoff experience. But I would, I don't think it's, you know, to duck somebody or to stay out of somebody's way, um, you know, I, I don't agree with it, but I understand it. But I wouldn't, I don't think it's saying anything about the Jazz except for, hey, we'd rather play them with, with guys that aren't 100%. You know, and I don't know what their record is this year with the Jazz, and I don't know what it is with the Lakers because I didn't follow it as close as you guys probably have. But, I think the Jazz in a seven-game series can beat anybody in the league because they play so well. Um, the ball moves. They have shooters. They have a defensive presence in Gobert. Um, they are a threat to any team they play. You know, they're going to have nights where they shoot it so well that nobody, nobody can be close with them because they, they do that so well. They move, and they've got shooters, and they create. Everybody can put it on the floor. Everybody can get, get into the paint and kick out for shots. 
and they're all willing passers. Um, and that's a, that's a key. You know, guys that are willing to give the ball up for a better shot or for the best shot, that's what you look for. And they're, they're a lot like the Warriors in that way where they move the ball, and there are very few teams that do it as well as those two in the league. Um, and that's why they're successful. And I think they have an opportunity this year to, to go a long way. Um, and I think the first series for them is important because you know, whoever they get will have played three games. And that first home game on Sunday here, whether it's the Grizzlies or or the Warriors, is a big one because, you know, everybody's going to – you guys talked about the other day. You know, you're, you're talking rest, you're talking altitude, you're talking guys on a roll, yeah. all the things that go into that. But I think the Jazz are, are very good, and I wouldn't I, I wouldn't duck them if I'm the Clippers because I, if you're the Clippers, you got to think you can beat anybody because you're a pretty solid team as well. But uh, I, I wouldn't want to play the Jazz. I wouldn't want to play the Lakers either. You know, <laughs> I'd rather play the Warriors or Grizzlies if I have the opportunity, but that's not who you're going to get in the first round. Right. So you've been in this community or around this community for a long time. You know how much people care about little things and strive for respect and want respect. So we've got some postseason awards. Now you've watched the Warriors. You're basically an expert on them. And Draymond Green is one of the guys that is up for Defensive Player of the Year along with Simmons and Gobert. What are your thoughts on who would win that? They're different defensively. All three of them are completely different guys. You know, they do it in a different way. You know, Simmons is out on the perimeter guarding guards and, and getting in the paint and guarding some bigs a lot like Draymond does. Um, and Gobert is just a, a, you know, a presence with, you know, he's blocking so many shots and altering so many shots and creating so many problems that the Jazz can take some chances on the perimeter and knowing, hey, if you beat me, good luck. You know, you better have a great floater game. Or, or, or you better be able to pass the ball out of there and get a three because you're not going to get anything at the rim. Um, I've watched Draymond all year, and it impresses me with him with his size. You know, he, they list him at 6'7". He's probably 6'6". Six, six. He does have a long wingspan. But he is guarding, you know, seven-footers to point guards. Um, and I think his IQ in my opinion, is better than anybody's when it comes to that end of the floor. Yeah, both ends of the floor. He is, he's just that skilled mentally because he, he's seen so much in his career and he's played so many positions, and he's had to morph into a player that, you know, just what keeps me on the floor, and he's become an expert at all those things. You know, he's your, your consummate role player. People think he's a star, but he's your consummate role player that does everything that's asked of him and more. And I think defensively, he reads plays so well and disrupts. And if you watch him, on a defensive play and how much he talks and orchestrates where guys go and is telling guys what to do on certain plays when plays are called or when he sees something developing, he can see it before it happens. And he tells his guys, this is what they're doing. This is where they're going. And, and he, in my opinion, he is the defensive player of the year. Um, you know, nothing, I don't want to take anything away from Gobert or, or Simmons. They're all, either one of them gets it. They all deserve it. You know, it's sad there's only one, but that's the way the league goes, and that's how awards are. They're all, they're all, you know, they, they all could win it. They all would be right to win it. But, you know, I, if I was voting, and maybe it's because I've watched him all year and, and I've seen what he does, um, I don't know how many of the writers watch all, of, you know, see every of these guys play as much as I've seen him play. Just like you guys have seen Gobert, and I'm sure Utah fans think Gobert is the best defensive player in the league because they've seen him what he does at night in and night out. And, and so that's where the bias comes in. But I think, you know, Draymond is, with his size and his skill set, 
it's unbelievable how he plays on that end of the floor. You know, he's got a rep, and some people sometimes vote against people for reps, and we've seen him lose his cool and get technical technicals and get ejected and all that and complain to refs and jazz fans, wish he'd get a technical, but he doesn't. Um, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but uh, the rep isn't always – it may be partially accurate, maybe accurate in the moment, but it also isn't accurate every minute of every hour of every day. you got some pretty cool stories about him. And any of them – I don't want to cross the line, but any of them you want to share, they reflect well on him and they go against the norm of what people think of him. Well, you know, Draymond is – he's a great teammate. I can tell you that with Nico. Um and I get, you know, I hear a lot of the stuff that goes on um, with Nico, and I'm sure Nico doesn't share everything because those are locker room moments that you you don't share. You know, those are team things that just stay in the locker room, and Nico's he's learned that as a rookie. Um, but you know, I know he's he's been in Nico's corner a lot, um, and he is he's helped him and encouraged him and done the things you know the teammates do. Um, he did it after the Jazz game when Nico played well here. You know, in the locker room, said some things that were that meant a lot to Nico, and I think it meant a lot to that team and brought them closer together because of, of how he worded it to his teammates. Um, and you're right; I'm not going to share specifics, but you know, I just think he's. You talk about his technical fouls. You talk about his his image around the league, and you know, he knows he's going to get technicals. He's explained. You know, he knows he's going to get close to that limit every year. He said, "This is what I do." I know it. My team knows it. He's had a couple that have, most of them aren't really at bad times. He's had a couple that have cost him this year that have been a little worse than others, but he rarely gets tossed. And after he gets those texts, things usually turn to, turn to go his way a little bit more or the Warriors way a little bit more. And I can tell you there are rookies on that bench, you know, including Nico are shocked. <laughs> that he doesn't get more with the things he says. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he said, it's just like, I can't believe that they wouldn't toss him. And he'll tell me what he says. And he, you know, and I think he has such a rep. He's been around the league so long. 99% of those refs, except for new ones coming in, know who he is, know his heart, know what he's about, know that he's just a great competitor and he wants to win. And he'll say some things sometimes that are, you know, outlandish um, and even personal, but they don't take it serious enough to give him the second technical you know a young guy gave him a technical this year and and uh, and Nico said he just went off on him the next time he came on the floor and what he said the second time was much worse than what he got the technical for but that young ref wouldn't even look at him mm-hmm. you know and it was his way of saying hey I'm the veteran here you're the rookie yeah. you know you gave me and Damian Lillard a technical we're both all-stars who do you think you know that kind of thing where you know I think the refs have learned I'm not going to put my ego in the game it's not very often that you, do, you, you see guys do that anymore. They don't have the big egos like they used to have back in when I was playing. You know, there, there were some egos out there that if you said one thing, you got a technical. That doesn't happen much anymore. And I'm sure there's, you know, some refs have, just like you have problems with players and coaches. I know Jerry Sloan used to have a problem with one of the coaches, and he always got texts. And there are some guys in the league that'll tell you, I've, I've got four texts this year, and they're from the same ref. So it does happen, but I think that's the anomaly. Yeah. Well, Pace, it's good to have you back in the community. Got to munge some Italian food and then uh, party on. <laughs> I'll do it. I do it all the time. That's what I get at home every night. So I can't <laughs> complain about the Italian food. Oh, I miss my mother and her cooking. I'll bet. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I miss the stories, Pace. When you started saying, you know, Draymond and the stuff that has to stay in the locker room and all that, it's, it's what teammates do. Then I was thinking of some of the teammates you had back in the day and some of the things yeah, they when, did. When you think about my stories, when did I tell them? And what you told me? Off to the side. Off to, oh, my gosh. Well, there's, there's one particular story we can't. On the set. You can't. Those are, yeah. you know, you just can't get out there and, and, and go crazy. And, that's, you know, I can't put my, my son at risk. Absolutely. No, 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 Absolutely. No, no, no. We totally I, I get that. We totally get that. No, but I was thinking of stories you told me from Europe about players and, and basically just messing with the Americans when they showed up. And you know the story I'm talking about, which there's literally no way to tell it on the air. Does it involve touching? Yes. <laughs> I remember that one. And there's no way to tell that story on the air. No, 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 no. no. And you, no. Had, you actually had a teammate good to you saying, this is how you're going to behave because you don't want to end up in the middle of one of these stories. So this is what you're going to do. Exactly right, and that was that was solid advice from a teammate right there. Yeah. I just think anything that happened in whatever NBA locker room doesn't measure up to some of the craziness whoa, whoa, you whoa. got from Europe. That you have crazy measure up from Europe. Oh wow! <laughs> hey, hey, okay. Speaking of great moments, while you were down in Arizona raising the next NBA player. This has come up, and I think they actually lost the drop. But I've had to tell PK multiple times whenever I, I uh, throw a malaprop out there and he starts laughing, I said, nothing will ever measure up to Pace's <laughs> response when there was a spectacular wreck in NASCAR. And I missed it by one vowel. I was so close. <laughs> And you, you were like, you were trying to be a good teammate and come fill in in the morning, but you're just not morning guy. You were not cut out for it. One time, sure, but don't ask me again, okay? With a spectacular rack. And then the look on Pace's face as he came out of his, his deep sleep. What did you just say? Oh man, I'm glad I was that's looking awesome. right at. Happen, though. That's good they got that drop. Yeah, I'm glad I was looking right at you as that registered. That was classic. <laughs> All right, thanks, Pace. We appreciate it. No problem, fellas. Have a great day. All right, you're the man. Pace Mannion, former Ute, former Jazz player. Son Nico now playing for the Warriors. Hard to believe when Pace was doing a pre-half and post for... <laughs> you were so amazed by that. I am. I know. A second <laughs> like, grader, and he's like, going to be in the NBA. It's like the first guy that you know who yes, plays professional Yes, that's exactly sports. what it is. I know, because you yeah. say it every time. Yeah, it amazes me. I'm amazed that you haven't found... You've done no other person nope. that you've known. But, like... All this time later. I know. (laughs) Coming up next, PGA Championship update. Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Gordon, are you happy? You've been so eager to get an update about Donovan Mitchell. We got an update. He practiced today, indicated that the injury might have been a little bit more serious than was led on, but is going to be back for the playoffs. Yes, That's he good is. news. So I do you mean, think he can turn the motor on completely? I don't know. What is it that Joe Ingles said yesterday? It's impossible to get into Donovan Mitchell's head. I would guess he hits the ground running, but I'm not sure. All right. What would have been bad news is if he hadn't practiced, because that would have meant he probably wouldn't play. And that's the luxury that this week off has given them. They're having some practice time, and they can't and work Donovan in before the games really count. So that certainly is good news. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to get you up to date on everything you missed in this show. And then we will talk with Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio here momentarily. Talk playoffs with David Locke, with Pace Mannion. 
538 says the Jazz have a 15% chance of pulling this off. You believe the word of the morning is capable. Yeah, when you say pulling it off, not the first round, that's winning the whole thing. 15% for winning the whole thing for the Jazz. Right. They actually have it all the round. They've got an 89% chance of getting to the second round, 40% to the conference finals, and 26 to the NBA finals. Well, yeah. Uh, that's pretty good as far as I'm concerned. I believe that, that those odds reflect that they have the ability to get the thing done. Well, they got to go do it, man. Having the ability is one thing. If you don't have the ability, well, then obviously it's a different story. But they've got the ability, but going to get it done is awfully difficult. It's time for a PGA Championship update brought to you by You Went to Golf, Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio, brought to you by Mountainland Supply. Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and Black Desert Resort. Bob, good morning. Hey, how you doing, DJ? I just wanted to let you know, and PK, I, DJ, I just wanted to let you know I'm down in our old neck of the woods right now. San Diego. Yes, I am. Getting ready to play the U.S. Open course. We played it yesterday. Oh, you've already that done was, it. How'd it go? Yeah, what was it like? Uh, Torrey Pines. It, you know, Torrey Pines is a great golf course. Um uh, it's a wonderful layout, and uh, and it's going to play. You know, it's going to play tough. We we saw that yesterday. The rough's up a little bit right now, um, getting ready for the course, and they're putting up all the stands and bleachers and stuff for approximately ten thousand fans that they're going to have on course next. Uh, you know, uh, each day. But um, but yeah, it's it's always a good test. Um, it was. Uh, it was kind of chilling, a little windy yesterday, and it kind of beat us up a little bit. But today we're playing at San Diego Country Club, where I grew up and where my dad was a member, and uh, and started out in the golf business. And on his way to becoming a professional golfer, he was a caddy here, starting when he was about ten or eleven years old. So memories. <laughs> uh, Oh, they're just playing the one course, though. They're not going on both of them. They're just for going the... south, not mm-hmm. north. Yeah. yeah, they're just playing the south course in the U.S. Open. So, And then they'll have the, uh, the north one will just be open for public play during that time, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> the north course is the north course. The, it's interesting. They'll uh, be you parking know, cars on the north course. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, but we were, look- we were looking. At, you know, what's interesting is the last time they had they used Jack Murphy Stadium. They used to, everybody used to have to go there, and then they bust them in yeah, to to the golf course. I don't yeah. know what they're we're going to do at this time because Jack Murphy Stadium is no longer there. And um, so, uh, but but the interesting thing is the North Course, uh, the first and the first and the um, I think it was the tenth or the eighteenth fairways um, go the same direction, and so they're setting up uh, the driving range. For, the, for those areas, and it won't be the normal driving range that's used for the public. Yeah, that's pretty dinky. Yeah, small and thin. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Can't have the pros oh. on a dinky course. <laughs> or dinky no. driving dinky range. driving range, no. right. No. Uh, be- so I don't know how close you've been able to follow the PGA Championship leaderboard, but this thing is spinning like that big wheel on Price is Right or something, or a wheel of fortune. It's like every time we look at it, somebody's five under. Nope, they're not. They're two under. A, a guy who was two under is now four under. Wait, there's just birdies and bogeys all over the place. Yeah, and and you're gonna see that you're gonna see that a bunch because you hit a shot just marginally off offline, and and you can get yourself into some pretty tough areas to be able to extract from. 
in the fairway, but also around the greens. You know, there's a lot of roll-off areas, and if you miss the green and it hits one of those low areas, it'll roll away and 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 go away from the hole. So um, it's uh, it's a tough golf course. You you hit good shots, you're rewarded with good shots. Um, you hit shots that are marginal and off, it, it penalizes you a lot. You know, Corey Connors, he, he he shot five under par yesterday and was looking really good and then turned around and shot three over par, the front his front nine today. So um, it's it's difficult, and, and it's going to remain difficult. And you're going to see the best players, like, like we always see in major championships, sift up to the top of the leaderboard and um, – you know, I, I think by the end of the day, you might see five under um, still leading, maybe six, but I don't think it's going to get out of hand at all. So you got a couple old timers in Pol- Poulter and Mickelson. Uh, yeah. How long do you think that lasts? Well, one's a really old timer because he's now 50 years of age. He's, he's, uh, he's almost 51. Yep. He'll be 51 next month, which is Phil Mickelson. Um, you know, Phil has. Uh, Phil struggled at the beginning of the year, but he started to bring it back around. He started to to play some better golf, and uh, here he is um, playing well again in in the PGA Championship. So, um, you know, it's, it's there's still a lot of golf left. There's you know the remainder of today's round, 36 more holes, and um, you know we'll see if he'll if he's able to stand up to that. Um, as far as Ian Poulter, Ian Poulter's been a great player, especially on the European Tour. Um, you know, a, a great Ryder Cupper, and um, uh, it's it's good to see him playing well. He's he's kind of a fun guy. He's an interesting guy. He's got a lot of social media posts, a lot on social media, and a lot of people follow him and that kind of thing. He's got a, got good opinions and good takes on on things, and and uh, it, it's good to see the Europeans and uh, a guy like Ian Poulter playing well this week. So the way this finishes. Would you rather on Sunday get and be the clubhouse leader and have your fate in other guys' hands? Because it seems like from what I've read and from what I've seen, 15, 17, 18 are just eating people up. John Rahm seemed to be on a little bit of a roll, and then he doubled 17 and bogeyed 18 today. Uh, is that what we're going to see down the stretch? Are there going to be a lot of bogeys, guys coming home? Yeah, there's potential for some uh, for some car wrecks coming coming down the stretch and you know if a guy gets in and he posts a good number um you know you know even though he may be two or three shots shy of where the leaders are things can happen in a heartbeat really quick on that golf course coming coming down the last four or five holes 16 it's interesting 16 is a par five 17 is a par three and 18 is a difficult par four it's almost the same thing that you see at um at, at the, the players at TPC Sawgrass, um, where you see a lot of risk-reward and then you see um, the ability to, to make a big number. So that's kind of what Pete Dye does with their golf courses, with his golf courses, and that's what you see again this week. But those holes are extremely tough coming down the stretch. What do you think the cut line is going to be? Um, right now it's at plus two. Um, I think it's going to be closer to three or four probably by the time it's all said and done with the way, you know, um, guys, guys finishing up um, and, and the second wave of players today. So I think, I, I think it's going to be about three or four. Um, last I saw Tony was, Tony was uh, plus one, but he was one under for the day. Jordan Spieth, um plus one. Uh, Will Zalatoris is um, 
What is he? Minus one. The last I saw, but you know, you got you, plus one today, so he's even. Is he plus one today? Yeah, so he's even. Um, you know, what what really floored me is Brooks Kepka and how he came out right off right off the bat this week and and uh, and played extremely well yesterday. Got off to a bad start with a double bogey, but then came back and uh, ended up shooting three under par. Um, there's there's some good guys at the top of the leaderboard, and it's going to be fun to see how this thing all shakes out. You want to tell him your new golf nickname, PK? See if he approves. My new golf name? Oh, for uh, for Kevka? Yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm calling him Puxatawney Brooks because he only comes out, instead of once a year, he only comes out four times a year. <laughs> uh yeah that's kind of yeah and, and and he sees a shadow i guess or something like that but yeah, yeah it's uh he is a guy that definitely steps it up steps it up in majors um he hasn't won too many pga tour events but he's won a bunch of majors right. and uh he thrives in that position i can remember when we were at i think it was at the u.s open um and they were asking him questions about major championships and he says you know what he says, "I think major championships might might be pretty easy to win because guys get guys get a lot of pressure on them in a major championship." And um, he said, "As long as I can keep myself close to the lead," he says, "I've proven to myself that I can handle that pressure, uh, especially in a major." And he said, "I'll beat half the guys, but when that when it, when it comes down to dealing with the pressure coming down the stretch and that kind of thing, he says, I think I deal with that a lot better than other people." So that's why I think I have a better opportunity to win majors. Okay. Well. It's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Great way to look at it. Well, he ought to have a lot of confidence looking around the leaderboard right now because there's a lot of, who's that guy? I mean, you've got exactly. a dozen, actually a little more than a dozen guys within a shot of the yep. lead. And if you go with two yep. shots, there's like 30 guys. But there's a lot of who, I mean, Morikawa, the defending champ, is two under. So, I mean, there's a few yep. guys we know there. But I think he could stare down a bunch of these guys. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. And when when those guys get in the heat of the heat of competition, um, you know, some some of them are going to fold. But the thing we've learned about the younger players in today's game, the younger players are ready and eager to win. You know, Colin Morikawa last year, um, he stepped it up coming down the stretch, drove it on that on the green on the green on that short par four last year and made eagle. And uh, and he just kind of took over and slammed the door, and that was his what second or third win uh, on the PGA Tour. And you know he'd only been on tour for a couple of years, so um, the younger guys you, you can't count them out. There's somebody that could step up and get their first win or their first major under their belt. That's a young guy, but for the most part, when you're dealing with um, you know guys like Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, who's already won, and some of the other guys that are in the back that could make a move. Um, then uh, you know you've you've got to really step it up and play well if you're one of those young guys. Well, while we're talking, Brandon Grace birdied 13, so he is now six under with a two shot lead. Well, so there you go, there you go. And Brandon Grace, a proven, he's a proven player. He's won he's won golf tournaments, and um, he's a guy that that could get his first major this week. We'll we'll have to see how things go over the next 36 plus holes. All right, we appreciate it, Bob, and we will hear you and Brian tomorrow morning, Real Golf Radio, the Zone Sports yep. Network, 6 to 9 a.m. You got it, guys. All right. Thanks, Bob. You bet. I'll get you ready for the third round. Was that Phil right there? He made it, yeah, because I saw his solo lead. He moved to, to three under.
Phil's three under, three back. Doing really well. DJ and PK, we're coming back with your feedback on today's show next. I always wonder what it was like to sweep the Warriors. Guess I'll figure out that feeling when they do it in a week and a half. (laughs) DJ and PK, the playoffs looming. We can't do our typical show, PK. It's weird. There's usually a show before the playoffs starts. Everybody's got the predictions. What's going to happen? What's the, we don't know who the opponent is. Feels like it go either way. Warriors and Grizzlies battling for the 8-9 spots went right down to the last game of the regular season. Now they got to play again. I think I want the Warriors over the Grizzlies. Because? Well, one of the things Locke said that I think is true, Valentine is just such a massive dude mm-hmm. that it might take its toll. Even though the Jazz win the series, Rudy is... Uh, Beaten up. The, the, he just looks so huge. Yeah. Like, humans aren't supposed to be that big. <laughs> <laughs> Do you care that the Jazz handled him so easily in the regular season? No, because they didn't have Jaron Jackson. Yeah. And and he's a nice player for them, right? I don't yeah, think he but played is he any of be the games. That kind of game changer? I think he only played 11 games. I don't think he needs to be a game changer individually. It's a piece of the puzzle that makes it more difficult. But they were so far away in the regular season. I'm going to look it up. I think the Jazz beat them by like 20 well, twice. Well, tell me not to worry about regular season. Now all of a sudden you're telling me to worry about regular season. No, I'm telling you because of the regular season. Right. Because it's – but you say if they lose, oh, don't worry about it. But now they won, and we're going to – well, this is an indicator. Either it's an indicator or it's not. I don't get to pick. No, it was one of the, it was one of the three. It was a three-point game, a 16-point game, and then a uh, four-point game. Mitchell was lighting Memphis up. They had no answer for him. 35 points, turnaround, 35 points. He missed the one game. Yeah, Conley went for 26 in the third one. So they beat him without Mitchell. That's a nice sign. Yeah. Yep. But it doesn't really matter what you want. It'll be what it will be, and we'll find out tonight, 7 o'clock. So we got people uh, tweeting at us uh, here today. (laughs) I want the Warriors, actually. You think people want the Warriors just because it's more fun? It's and entertaining for me. Yeah, exactly. I want entertainment. Yeah. It's the sports is entertainment. Nothing more than that for me. Mitchell says he's progressing well and planning on playing Sunday. What could possibly stop them now? And Jay says if he stops progressing. But he is progressing. <laughs> he has been progressing for a couple weeks. So he's not going to stop progressing? He could. He's not going to. He oh, could, okay. but he won't. All right. PK can see the future. He's a young buck who wants to play and wants the big thing. He wants all the glory that comes yep. with winning yep. for all the right reasons. Yep. So, yeah. So, he's going to be there. Come Feels on. Feels great, Coach. Let's go. He's a gamer. What could stop him? The NBA refs. Oh, we got people liking uh, David's uh, tweet. That's ridiculous. Enough fixes so freaking stupid. Gage, three whistles running around on the court. Oh, it's so hard to play five against eight. In the words of the great band Starship, Jake says, nothing's going to stop us now. I can't think of that tune, thankfully. You can't? No. Oh, my gosh. That was a huge hit. I can. I'm not a fan of it. Give me a minute. But you've heard that song a million times. I'm sure I have, but I can't think of it right now. That's what I'm saying. I blotted it out of my memory. I blocked it. Adam says the only thing that's going to stop the Jazz is global thermonuclear war. That's a possibility. There it is. 
Papa Dave's worried about a shooting slump. That's why I blocked it out of my mind. Yeah. Yeah, and I said that. And if they have four or five guys who can't buy a basket, which might happen, but it's going to happen four, four times. times. Cameron says, this is what scares me. Plus, when we're smothering, it's a picture of Steph Curry, and he's backpedaling, and he's bouncing because he just hit a tough shot. When we're smothering him, we leave guys wide open, and they seem to shoot 100% from three. <laughs> That's we a can, high percentage. <laughs> we can do it, though. There's a reason we're the number one seed. So after questioning himself, Cameron then pumps himself up, which I think is actually, well, it's fun to make fun of. And we're here to make fun of you, Cameron. I do think Cameron represents a large section of the Jazz fan base. Which Worried about a gazillion things. Ah. But still, yeah, come on, one seed, let's do it. Oh, it could go wrong. But let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it could go wrong. Yeah. Beach time at Love My Youth says the only thing will stop the Jazz is not playing defense or not stopping the guy with a hot hand. Well, that's that one dude with the mouthpiece. Yep. <laughs> Although they do have Wiggins and Baysmore. They've got guys who can hit shots. A couple guys off the bench. Wiggins has had some big games here down the stretch. Yeah. And sure. I don't want to overplay them regular season like you say but when you're fighting in that 8-9 it's pressure in the moment and it doesn't match up to you know I don't want to say it's the Western Conference Finals but still for him well, it's for a guy coming for from Minnesota in the exactly it's big for him in the moment yeah and he delivered on multiple occasions you know, he had a, like a 38 point game well all he's got to do is hit open shots well there is that Steph's gravity opens up the rest of the floor for everybody yeah. else Are you trying to jinx some guys? There might still be time to delete this before the jinx takes hold. Oh, I don't believe in no jinxes. No jinxing, Derek Favor Stan. If you're mentally tough, there's no such thing as a jinx. All right, we're out of time. Have a good weekend. Big game Sunday night. PK and I'll be back here Monday morning, 6 to 10 on 97.5 and 12.8 of the zone. Scotty and Hands are coming up next.